Well, good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be here uh, this morning. And as you heard, this is a little bit unusual this morning, just because, uh, for one, I'm not the senior pastor, as many of you know. Uh, But also, this is a little bit unusual just because of the content that we're in. We're in a family month, the month of May, uh, here at uh, FBC. And so we really just wanted to be intentional with the series that we we were gonna do. And I just wanted to let you know this, that this series that we're in, uh, God gave them to you, so guard their hearts, is really one long sermon broken up into four small parts. Now, we are an exegetical church, uh, meaning that we, we just walk through Scripture. But today is not going to feel that way, just because the, the first two uh, messages, Pastor talked about the first week, he kind of plowed the field a little bit theologically for us, that we're created in the image of God. And then the last week, Pastor Joe came and talked about marriage being this incubator uh, that we grow our kids in within the home. Uh, and those two messages were very exegetical through scripture. And today we're going to be moving a little bit more topical-based, uh, just for the sake of what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about the importance, the importance of God parenting this morning. And this is a, this is a tricky subject. Uh, the, the staff and I, we just got back from a, a conference we went to this past week at North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we go to the, they put on a drive conference every other year, and we go to it every time they put it on. It's uh, Andy Stanley's church. And at the very last session, not only this past time that we went, but even the time before, uh, Andy Stanley got up and he asked a question to lead off his time. And it's a question that I think is really important for us to think about, and a question that I would like us to look at as a framework, really, for the message today, and it's this. What is the faith of the next generation worth? What is the faith of the next generation worth? And I I hope that, and I think that we would all say, it's worth everything. It's worth everything. And if that's the case, and if we really believe that, if we believe that it's worth everything, then as parents, specifically, there are some things that we really need to focus on and we really need to understand, and there are some hard conversations that we need to have and some questions that we need to ask. And so this morning, I want to talk about ineffective godly parenting. And I want to talk about this in really three ways, um, how... (laughs) When I say godly parenting, just trying to raise up our children in the ways of the Lord, and there are some ways in which we can just be ineffective in this if we're not careful. The first is this. Ineffective godly parenting will underestimate the urgency of personally growing in our faith and submitting to the authority of Scripture. You see, it has to start here. As a parent, you can only give what you have. And so it has to start with you in your faith and your relationship with the Lord and how you're growing and fostering your own faith, having a solid foundation that you can pass on to your children. It's got to start there. It's got to start with a foundation that we can pass down. And we would call this oftentimes a worldview. And so I want to just talk uh, just for a moment about the importance of a biblical worldview. I don't know if you've heard this term before. It's a real popular term nowadays, a worldview. Uh, but a worldview is, just, is basically just a way of looking at and explaining life. It's kind of like a lens that you would use to view uh, all of your life through. Uh, a worldview is a set of beliefs that influences a person's perspective and their actions. Now, what's shocking about this is new, uh, a new research has just come out this year from Arizona Christian University, and it said that 
Less than 5% of American parents who claim to be Christian hold to a biblical worldview. Less than 5%. So if it's not a biblical worldview that Christian parents are holding on to, then what is it? The study goes on to say that 9 out of 10 parents have a syncretistic or blended worldview, meaning their beliefs are a mix of multiple worldviews where no single one life philosophy is dominant. This, according to the research, produces often self-contradictory worldviews and confusing worldviews. The study goes on to say that the typical American parent is either fully unaware that there is a worldview development process or they are aware that their child is developing a worldview, but they do not take responsibility for their role in the process. Or the study says they are aware that the child's worldview is being developed, but choose to allow outsiders to accomplish that duty on the parent's behalf. The research also showed that the younger the parent, the less likely, likely they are to hold to a biblical worldview. And so what this research is telling us, and I think some of this is happening unintentionally. I think a lot of parents are doing this unintentionally, but what this research is showing us is that parents, yes, Christian parents, are not submitting to the authority of God's word as the foundation of their belief system. So what they're doing is they're looking at scripture for certain things, but not for everything. They'll take some things out of scripture that they like, some things that they, that they appreciate, and then they'll say, I'll leave the rest. But on this subject, I'm going to go over here to what this study says. I'm going to go over here to what this group says, and I'm going to cherry pick that. I don't like the rest of what they say, but I'll go with that one. I'll go to this group or this ideology, and I'll pull from that one. I'll pull from this one and some from here and some from there, and I'll put it all in a blender and mix it all up, and here's what I believe about life. And what this is showing us and what the research is showing us is that this is confusing our children. And it's confusing the generations that are coming up behind us. Of course it is. I mean, this is not, I mean, this is not only hypocrisy, it's moral relativism. It's saying, I don't believe in one ultimate authority. So I'm going to pick and choose what I want to believe and make this mixture of what I believe to be true. That is moral relativism. It is confusing the generations that are coming up and it's damaging our children. Next point I want us to see is this, that every parent teaches what they know and models what they believe. You can only give to your children what you have personally and I would say even spiritually. So what are you teaching what are you modeling? What worldview are you presenting to your children? Is it your worldview? Or is it one based on authority? And the, the, the reality is that we'll just be ineffective. We will be ineffective as godly parents if we first and foremost aren't growing and fostering our own faith and if we aren't presenting a worldview to the generations to come that is solid foundational on the authority of God's word. The next thing is this, ineffective godly parenting will underestimate the urgency of the cultural impact on your children. You want to be ineffective as a, as a godly parent? Ignore what's happening in the culture, and you'll be ineffective. Sweep it under the rug. 
Don't really look into it. Just think, oh, they'll turn out okay. I turned out okay. And that will cause you to be ineffective. Because the reality is that God gave our children to us as a gift. And our job and our role and our responsibility is to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. The problem is that we are doing that in a culture that is in opposition to God. Which means that we are raising our children in a culture that is in opposition to them. And make no mistake about it, parents. The culture is after your kids. It is coming for them. Early and often. As young as they can get in their little minds, they want to come with their seeds of doubt and with their messages because if they know they can get them when they're young, they have them for the rest of their life. And these seeds of doubt um, are all over the place. And, and you, you may not believe me. Let me share one thing with you. This is from Billy Hallowell. He's an atheist, and he wrote this. Change is always one generation away. So if we can plant the seeds of doubt in our children, religion will go away in a generation, or at least largely go away. And that's what I think we have an obligation to do. That in 2014... And these seeds of doubt that are being implanted into our children come at them from every direction. Obviously, the biggest means of that is through social media, especially in preteens and teenagers. And we've said to you from the very beginning of this series that as parents, you have the biggest influence on your child's life. Statistics all show that, but did you, you may not know this. Those statistics are changing. The parental influence is, is on the decline. You know what's on the increase? social media. And there will be a time not too far from now if we're not careful, careful while well, social media will flip and become the number one influence in our children's lives. But for now, as parents, you have the number one influence in your child's life. And these, these seeds of doubt, they, they come from every which direction, every angle. They're, they're TV shows, commercials we watch, targeted advertising. Uh, they're in the, the, the music that we listen to, the movies we watch. Yes, even now, with what was once a wholesome, family-oriented animation industry, now planting these seeds of doubt in our kids and cloaking it as wholesome family entertainment. The seeds of doubt are implanted into our school systems and the curriculum that is being taught. I have firsthand knowledge of a school in our city that at the beginning of the year, in their meeting where they're talking about the entire year, it was said in that meeting, our number one focus this year will be to push critical race theory. That'll be the number one focus. Not reading, writing, and arithmetic. Critical race theory. And these seeds of doubt are found in certain theories that, that are out there, ideologies such as gender issues, gender self-identification, same-sex attraction as normative Racial issues and critical race theory, social issues and social justice issues, pornography, sexual health, naturalism, skepticism, postmodernism, pluralism, feminism, emotionalism, and maybe worst of all, moral relativism. On top of all of that, you have this enormous pressure and impact that, that technology is placing on our kids. All of the studies out there that continuously show us what all of this screen time is doing to their little brains. Uh, you want to be blown away, go out to our resource table and pick up this book, Glow Kids, and thumb through it. 
and look at some of the research that has been done on what screen addiction is doing to our children. That resource is available for you out there. I, I want to just pause here for a moment and talk about several of these because I think it's worth some time here. I, I mentioned some, not all, of the isms that are out there. These are worldviews. They're not all isms. Uh, there's new Christianity, new spirituality, but they're, they're mostly isms, things like naturalism, pluralism, postmodernism, moral relativism. And these are all worldviews that are out there and very prominent. Uh, and as parents, listen, we've got to understand these worldviews. We need to be able to see them, to define them, to categorize them, and to walk our children through them. Because here's the reality I want you to see. Uh, you aren't going to be able to shield your child from everything, but you can walk with them through anything. We just aren't going to be able to shield them from everything. Uh, you may have your student come home with a, a project from school that you just disagree with. And maybe you've voiced your opinion and you've, you've talked to the teacher and you've, you've talked to the school board or the principal and you just don't agree with it. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to let them fail? At the end of the day, we, we can't protect them from everything. We can't shield them from everything, but we can walk with them through anything. And as parents, if we're equipped and we're motivated and we're organized, we can do that. If that school project was, was to come home and, and you were to get your child and say, hey, look, do you see how this project is promoting um, that you should just follow your heart? You should just trust your gut, that you should just, you, you're, you know what you need best. You plow your, your own way. Did you know that that's emotionalism and it's a worldview that is out there that basically says that, uh, you know, the universe has gifted you with certain intuition and that you know what's best. And you could talk to your child about that, and you could say, do you, do you remember what God says about our hearts? How they're corrupted by sin? And we do things that we don't want to do, and we don't think, do things, and, and, and God says sometimes we need to follow his ways over our ways, and that's what's better, and you can walk with them through that. Hey, daughter, did you hear what that, did you hear what that song just said, how really there's no wrong or right way? Unless, of course, you're saying you're the only right way, then you're wrong. But how it's saying there's really no wrong or right. Did you know that that's called moral relativism? And it's a real, real prevailing thing in our culture today to believe that. That basically says that there is no absolute truth. That you can try to just make up your own truth. And it's a very dangerous thing. And you could talk to your child and talk them through that. Did you know what, do you remember what God says about authority? How he, how he tells us that because he's the creator and sustainer of all things, he really is the authority? And that's a good thing. And we're not going to be able to shield them from everything, but we can walk with them through anything. I want to point you to another resource. This is called Mama Bear Apologetics. Um, I have not read this in its entirety, but I was asked to give a reference on it. And as I just dug into it, I was really impressed. And Mama Bear Apologetics is going to, to give you a category and a definition for all of those isms out there. It's going to allow you to see what they are, to categorize them, to define them, and to walk with your children through them. And this is a helpful resource also available out there. And I know it's called Mama Bear Apologetics, but come on, Daddy Bears. We could probably get a little of this in our life too. Because if you're not teaching your children apologetics, I don't know. We, we got to stop with just teaching them the biblical stories and teach them apologetics and the answers for those stories. 
and the defense of our faith. Mama Bear Apologetics is one that's out there and ready for you if you need it. One other thing I want to just talk about is sexual health and pornography. Uh, I think we all understand and we see that we know the trend that the average age of children to view pornography for the first time is always getting younger and younger. It used to be that it was 12 or 13 not too long ago. New research is showing us that children as young as five years old view pornography for the first time, whether intentionally or not. That the average age now is seven to nine years old to see that for the first time. And that children have no category to put this in in their mind. I mean, some of, most of them at this point haven't even had certain talks yet. You know what I'm talking about? And so you think about what they're seeing without having had some of those discussions with their parents. They have no idea what to do with this. They have no category to put it in their mind, and it causes all kinds of issues. This is a resource called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. I cannot recommend this highly enough. What this is going to do is allow you to walk something through with your children that will give them a category to put it in. Not if, but when it happens. It will give them a category and action steps to take. This resource is also available out there at the book store, book place. I don't know what we're calling it, where the books are. Our children just, I mean, they start at a huge disadvantage spiritually. They're not starting at level playing field. <laughs> they start in a hole, spiritually speaking. And we've got to be thinking about that. In our culture, it is after our children. It's coming for them. And these seeds of doubt and these ideologies and all this stuff, I mean, our culture is highly motivated, highly equipped, and highly organized. Parents, are you Then the next, I want to talk about this. Ineffective godly parenting will underestimate the urgency of training children up in the ways of the Lord. Because there should be some urgency. There should be some weightiness to this. And if we underestimate the urgency of training children up in the ways of the Lord, we will be ineffective as godly parents. Proverbs 22.6, look at this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I know you've all heard this verse. You've all seen it. We love it. But what I want you to notice is what this does not say. This does not say, hey, take your child up to the church as often as you can. And when they're old, they'll, they won't depart from it. It does not say, sign your child up for children's camp or get your teenager involved in youth ministry. It does not say enroll your child in the Christian school and when they get old, they won't depart from it. It says what? Train up. You, you do that. You're to train them up. And as someone who was a youth pastor for over seven years, I have to scream this out as loud as I can. It is not up to the church or any institution to train up your child for righteousness. It is up to you to do that work. The church, the Christian school, the, the youth ministry, the children's department, all of those things are tools for you to use. Stop making it up to someone else to do that for you. God has given them to you. You're to guard their hearts. You're to train them up in the ways of the Lord. And then, how do we do that? How do we train them up? 
What does that look like? And I think scripture gives us, I mean, it, we, we tend to overcomplicate it and scripture just kind of just says, this is what you do. One, one great place that we could go to is Deuteronomy chapter six, the Shema, here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This goes with my first point. It starts with you. These things have to be in your life and on your heart before we can get to verse 7. It's got to start with you. And then it goes on to say this in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. This goes with the concept of us being equipped, us being motivated, us being organized, or to take it right out of the text, being diligent to train our children up. You do that, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And this just goes with the concept of wholeness. Whether you rise or you go to sleep, whether you walk or you you sit, completeness, wholeness, whether it's on your doorpost or on your gate, everywhere and anywhere within your home, you model these things by way of repetition. This has always been the case for God's people. One generation to another. You tell them of God's ways and you model it in your life. And you train them up. And listen, training for anything is never easy. It takes dedication and diligence, but it's worth it. And so as we think about training our children up, that's going to look different from, for every household. I understand that. And as I was just thinking through and praying through, like, how can I be helpful in this situation? What, what are things that we could look at for practical ways to train our children up? I was thinking about my own children. Three daughters. And I was thinking about what, what is it, without trying to get too complicated, what is it that I really want to focus on, that I really want them to understand when they leave my home someday, if they leave my home someday? <laughs> Especially Kinley. But what do I want them to gain? What do I want them to understand? How do I want to train them up? And, and so I, I hope this is helpful, but this is how I, how I want to train them. I want to train them first to understand God's ways as protection and not rules. Because that's our culture. Oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to follow any of that. It's just a bunch of rules. I don't want to, I have to do this and don't do this and all these commandments and laws. All God's just about all it's always about. I just want to do my own thing. Okay, so we had right there emotionalism, we had naturalism, we had skepticism, we had self-helpism, and we had moral relativism. All in one little statement that I made. You got to be equipped to deal with those things. You got to know what they are and call them out. But I want to train my children to understand that God is a God of love. He's for you. He wants what's best for you and for your life. It's not just a bunch of rules. They're protection for you because there are, there are sins and there are consequences to our sins. Sometimes sins, consequences last, last our entire life. And God does not want that from you. He wants to protect you. And he wants you to follow him as protection, not as rules. And second, I want, the, I want to train them to understand that a biblical worldview provides them with the best explanation for the world around them. 
Because yes, theism is a worldview, what we would believe. But what I want to be able to do with my children is, hey, let's study them all. <laughs> Come on, here they are. Let's lay them out. Let's talk about them. Now, which one makes the most sense to you? And actually, I don't have to do a lot of work here. The other ones are so wacky. You should be able to say, oh yeah, theism, that makes the most sense. Next. But we've got to do this, and it's hard work, and it is training them up. And I want them to see that the biblical worldview, that theism, makes the most sense for the life around them. Next, I want to train them to live in gospel unity with everyone. Now, this is different from the culture's view of unity. This is not inclusion and tolerance. This is love, like biblical love in spite of differences while still holding on to convictions. Gospel unity. And last and most important, above all, I, I want to train them to follow Jesus with every ounce of their being. Because I know, and I know many of you know, that if we could just point them to Jesus, if they will just follow him, Everything else will usually just work itself out. And so those are, for me, some practical things. And maybe for you, you need to think through your steps of how do I want to train them? What do I want that to look like in my family and in my home? And listen, I, I understand, because I'm in this with you, that this is a daunting task. And I understand that this seems almost sometimes like hopeless when we look at the culture around us and its influence on our children and the generations to come, it makes us want to put our head in the sand. It makes us want to throw in the white towel. But what I want you to see is this. There has always been and always will be cultural struggles in parenting for the followers of God. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. This is nothing new here. And I think there's this push today in our culture to think, oh, this is the worst we've ever seen it. This generation coming up, well, we'll just give up on them. They're lost. We've already lost them. And you think our culture is hard. You try raising a child in the Babylonian Empire. You try bringing up a godly home in the Roman Empire at the time of Christ. You think our culture is tough. You try being an Israelite mother, raising her family in the land of the Canaanites. This is nothing new under the sun. There has been and always will be struggles in parenting for the followers of God. Our call, and where I think maybe we're starting to get some of this wrong, is we're not motivated, we're not equipped, and we're not organized. And we need to be. We need to. Last point I want you to see is this. We do our part as parents for our children and we rest in God's sovereignty over our children. We won't be able to shield them from everything, but we can walk through them, with them through anything. And we, we do our part. We have to do our part. But it's this tension that we fall into where we do what we need to do, but we also rest in the fact that God's gonna do what he's gonna do. And we have faith and we trust that he's going to accomplish that ultimate task and that ultimate work. We do our part and we rest. But we've got to understand and we've got to get this. The culture is coming for them and the culture is highly motivated. They are highly resourced and they are highly organized. 
And we need to be those things as well as Christian parents. There are, like I said, uh, these resources are all out there uh, on the table where all the books are, plus many other ones uh, that we have for you, uh, including uh, the one that Pastor Joe mentioned last week on, on marriage. That is out there as well. If uh, I know even the last service at 8.30, some of them, <laughs> it was a line, and I don't know if any of them sold out already or not, but we also made up this little card, and this little card, you can just grab one, has those main resources on there for you, the author and the title. It also has some links and some podcasts. Maybe you heard me talk about critical race theory, and you're like, I don't even know what that is, and you want a crash course on critical race theory, there's a link there that you could go to to explore that. Maybe you want to understand how to, how to walk your children through biblical unity in the midst of racism. There's a link in there. You can go check that out. Maybe you're about to have some difficult conversations with your kids. You know what kind of conversations I'm talking about? I think you do. Uh, and you're just want to be some, you want to be prepared and you want to be, have some resources. There's a podcast on there from a former church member here who does some excellent work on that area. Would love for you to check that out. You can grab one of those. You can get any of these resources, take pictures or buy them here or do what you need to do, but you need to be equipped. You need to be resourced and you need to be motivated. What is the faith of the next generation worth? It's worth everything. And God gave them to you. So you got to guard their hearts. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response. And, and we do this every week just to, just to allow you to have a moment to just ponder and pray, to think about how the Lord is maybe moving in your life. If there's something that you need, if you need prayer, some of us will be, we would love to pray for you, with you, for your families, for your children, whatever. Any need you have, we will be here to, to receive you. There's usually a woman up here. If ladies, you'd rather pray with another woman, that's available. You can join the church if you'd like at that time. Uh, you, uh, I haven't presented a, a, a really gospel-centered message uh, in the way of evangelism, but if you feel the need to receive Jesus in your life, like you're just like, yeah, the culture's messed up. I need Jesus. Amen for that. You do. And come forward and let us talk with you about that. You don't have to come forward to do that, but you could. We, we'll be here to receive you. But the culture is motivated and organized and resourced, parents. And I'm talking to myself as well. We got to be those things too. Because the generations coming up, their faith is worth everything. So Father, I thank you. I thank you for this time. And I thank you, God, that even in the midst of such a struggle, like parenting in today's culture, that you are there, that you are for us, that you are with us in this, and that you have given us the tools that we need to accomplish the task that you have set before us as parents. So I pray for every parent, grandparent in, in here today, this morning, God, that your blessing would be on them. That, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them. And as they endeavor in this parenting obstacle that is in front of them, that you'd give them the strength. And that you will remind them through the process that you are for them. And we thank you for that and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and you come if you need.